Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the So Leadership Podcast, where we're, we're crazy passionate about seeing a generation of leaders being equipped to serve God faithfully and effectively in all that we do. Now, if you're new and you've not listened to any of the previous episodes and you've stumbled upon this podcast or you're tuning in for the first time, I want to welcome you to our leadership community. I want to welcome you to this podcast. We release a new episode every month, the last week of every month. And these podcast episodes, they're designed to be really, really practical, to be accessible, I hope, to be tangible, um, and to, yes, incorporate some theory, but to also help us practically in growing to be better leaders, particularly in the context of ministry. And if you've listened to all the episodes and you're a regular listener, I want to encourage you to, to rate and review this podcast and this episode if it helps you so they can help others as well and feel free to share it to whomever you deem fit. Now, this episode, we're going to be looking at the topic of leadership development, leadership development. We say that we're passionate about seeing a generation of leaders being equipped to serve God faithfully and effectively. And we say that each and every episode, that's the the vision and the heart behind this podcast. But really, we want to see more than just this generation. We want to see more than just this current group of leaders, this current age of leaders being equipped. We want to see this generation equip the next and the next and the next and so on and so forth. We want leadership development to be a regular part of our service and our terms as leaders in various positions that we are. We want to be leaders that are continually developing other leaders that if and when the time comes for us to leave, we have developed those to take over and to fit into our role and to continue to lead faithfully and effectively. Now, the question we often come to and something that I think a lot of us wrestle with is the question of, well, are leaders really developed or are they born? And that's the age old question. Do we develop leaders or are leaders born? And no doubt Certain people have certain characteristics or traits that are helpful in various leadership positions. But by and large, I believe that leaders are not born, they are developed, they are made, they are coached, they are mentored. I'm reminded of a story, and this is not exactly about leadership, but it's a similar kind of idea. And it's a story relating to football, something else that I'm crazy passionate about. And we hear this story of of a player, his name is, is Cooper Cronk. If you Watch football, you'll know who he is. But there's a story in an article I read just the other day, actually, where it talked about the history of him growing up. Now, growing up, he played a number of different positions on the football field. He played as a second rower, who generally, if you're in that position, you're supposed to be big and tough and strong and a hard ball runner. He played... A lot of games are dummy half where you're required to be fast and good at passing and also really strong to make a lot of tackles. He played a little bit of 5-8, which is kind of like a playmaking role. He played a little bit of center. Um, He played a little bit of just a utility player where you could play anywhere on the field. And he kind of came into rugby league really playing many different positions and we weren't really sure where he was going to play. But One position that was really, really particular on a football field is the position of halfback. 
If you're the halfback, your responsibility is to lead and to direct your team around the football field. You have a very important and critical role. It's Some would say it's the most important position on the field. If you have a really good halfback, you're going to go a long way towards being a successful football team. Now, the story goes back in 2004, 5, 6, Cooper was playing a lot of different positions, but at some point in 2005, 2006, the coaches at the Melbourne, the Melbourne Storm, who was his football team, identified some key characteristics in him that could make him into being a really good halfback. And from then on, they set out to develop and to train him. And Cooper himself was quite passionate about developing and training and getting better. And what happened over the next two, three, four, five, 10, 15 years was Cooper developed his game. He trained, he worked really hard, he was coached really well, and he actually became arguably one of the greatest halfbacks, the greatest leaders, the greatest directors on the field that the game has ever seen in over 100 years of football. Now, what happened there? People identified that he could be a really good halfback. He could be the right person to lead and direct the team around the football field. And they took those bare characteristics and they developed it. They helped him to develop and grow on that. And he himself was keen on developing and training and getting better. And he became a really good player. And it's a similar idea when it comes to leadership, whether it be in ministry or even in other spheres of life. We want to be leaders that are identifying good and positive characteristics in the leaders around us and that are developing them and helping them to grow and become better leaders in time. And so today, what I want to do is I want to give us I want, I want to give us two ways that we can go about this, or two things that we can be doing. The first one is we'll look at what are factors that we can look at, what are factors that we should keep an eye out for when it comes to trying to identify who could be a good leader in the ministry or a future leader, should I say, in the ministry. And the second thing we're going to do is we're going to look at how do we develop them. So once we've identified people who have the right ingredients, as as it were, how do we then develop and build from that? So factors to look for and then how we can develop the leaders. Let's dive in. Firstly, we're looking at factors to look for. Now, depending on the level of leadership you're looking for, you're going to be looking for a couple of different things. So I'm going to give us a whole bunch of stuff to think about, um, a whole number of, of characteristics to identify. But you're going to look at, depending on the level of leadership that you're in and the position you're looking for, you're going to be looking for different things. Now, regardless of level, there's, I think, three characteristics that are crucial for all levels um, and are almost deal breakers, really, particularly in ministry. And three factors that I think we want to see on all levels of leadership and people that we're considering for various positions of all levels, there are three characteristics I think we should look for. Firstly, it's personal faith. And this almost goes without saying, but it needs to be said because it's so important. We're, we're looking for people who possess a personal faith in Jesus. At the end of the day, we are a Christian ministry and we're serving not ourselves, but ultimately serving God. And we want people who know and love Jesus, people who are committed to growing into being more and more like him. Now, it doesn't mean that we're looking for people who are perfect at this stage in life. In fact, for every stage in life, we're always going to be imperfect. We're never going to measure up perfectly. 
But we're looking for people who are on the right trajectory, people who are wrestling with any doubts or sins in their life, people who are seeking and and striving and and prayerfully walking with the Lord and, and desiring to grow more and more in his likeness, people who are committed to to growing and knowing more of Jesus and loving him more. We're looking for people who have genuine personal faith. The second thing we're looking for on all levels is character. And that ties in really with faith. We want people who are a of the right character. The Bible talks a lot about leaders being above reproach and and having the right character. And we want to look for people who demonstrate Christ-like qualities and are committed to growing increasingly in Christ-likeness. They might not be perfect. In fact, no one is, but we want to have leaders that are committed to growing in that and are already developing and showing the character or the fruits of their faith in their character. And thirdly, we Thirdly, we want people with a willingness, sorry, a willingness to learn. We want to ask ourselves the question, are these people keen to learn and develop and to grow as a leader? Are they willing to learn from mentors and people who are older and more experienced? Or are they kind of just lazy and uninterested? We want leaders, whether you're a student leader, an exec, president, staff member, whatever, we want people who are willing to learn and to grow and to get better in their leadership and in their serving. Now, depending on the level of leadership, there are some other factors that we can look for, some other factors that could be helpful. And I'm going to give us four big ideas, big indicating factors to to consider And they're going to differ on the various levels. Some you'll expect more of on a particular level of leadership, some less so. But here are the four. Firstly, we're looking for people who have a commitment to the so ministry or the ministry that you're leading in if you're not part of so. We're looking for people who are committed and invested into the campus ministry. That doesn't just mean that they're attending events and they're showing up, even though that is important. We're looking for people who are committed to building relationships with other people, to being an active part of the community and the fabric of the ministry. We're looking for people who are actively participating in discipleship programs such as REAP and Life 101 because we want people who are engaged, people who are seeing the value of the ministry themselves. Almost all of SO's leaders, as they continue to serve, they'll they'll be able to tell you of how SO has impacted their life. They've seen the personal value of SO in their life, and that's a contributing factor in why they want to serve. And we're kind of looking for people who are seeing that already, people who are saying, you know what, I see the value of this ministry. I'm going to be committed to it. I'm going to be invested. The second thing that we can look for is also a heart to serve. Someone who is, yes, invested and committed, but not just for their own gain, but really they're committed to caring and supporting others. We're looking for people who are regularly willing to help out, even in the smallest of ways. It might be packing up or setting up for an event or a weekly meeting. It might be little things like driving people home after an event. They have a car, they live near a couple of people and they're saying, hey, I'm happy to drive people home. Maybe it's people who you've asked to help out and have thrown both hands up and said, yes, I will do it. Not begrudgingly, but with joy and commitment. We're looking at people who are keen to serve and to care and to be invested in that way. Thirdly, 
it's helpful to look for people who have demonstrated responsibility and faithfulness. And this is particularly important when we look at positions like execs and presidents and vice presidents. We're really looking for people who have shown themselves to be diligent, to be responsible with the tasks that they've been given to before. Not only that, but we're we're looking for people who are continually being faithful in the various commitments that they've made and they have at the current time. People who are committed to being passionate, who are disciplined, who are faithful and involved despite the highs and lows of the term. For example, if they've been a part of the praise team, we're looking for people who have shown up, who have attended practices who have been committed, who have prepared well and have served in that role faithfully. If they've been leading a REAP group already, we're looking for people who have been faithful and caring for their REAP or group members, people who have been committed to preparing well for the study and leading it faithfully. If they've been doing even small tasks like PowerPoint for a weekly meeting, do they do that begrudgingly or are they doing that with joy and faithfulness and reliability? We're looking for people who perhaps have been faithful with little and so therefore we could potentially trust them with more. People who have been faithful and responsible so far and have demonstrated that in various roles and in various ways and so now perhaps they're ready to be given a new role or a new commitment and position. Finally, we're looking for people with competency and passion. Competency and passion. To some degree, we do need to see that these leaders that we're thinking of have the right competency for the role that we are thinking of. Now, this decision will largely be based on what we've seen in the past. Have they been faithful and shown that competency in the ways they've served before? And are they keen to continue to grow and to learn and grow in that competency? We want to have, to some degree, an eye for that. But it's not the entirety of it because it is possible for people to have some level of competency and grow and continue to be a good leader. They don't need to have the entirety of it. They don't need to have the full bag of competency, as it were, before they start serving. I love what Craig Rochelle, he says, and this wouldn't be a leadership podcast without a quote from Craig Rochelle. He says, you can teach skills, but you can't teach passion. You can teach skills, but you can't teach passion. In fact, he's not the only one that has said that. Many other leadership commentators say a similar thing. And so, yes, we're looking for competency, but we're also looking for people who have the passion. We want people who are passionate firstly about God, about his kingdom, about growing and being part of the work that God is doing. But we also want people who are passionate about the ministry, passionate about serving, passionate about caring for God's people and leading in various roles and ways that they may do so in the future. So we're looking for people who have some degree of competency and skills, but also have passion, passion for the Lord and for the ministry. So there four, there's seven characteristics that we can look for. I'm sure if you do a bit of research online, there'll be other ones that other people highlight. I thought these were the most helpful seven that I put together. But I want us to remember one thing before we move on. I want us to remember that to some degree, we do need to be gracious. We're looking for these characteristics and we need to do so. But we also need to understand that people aren't going to meet these standards perfectly every single time. There will be some non-negotiables like faith in the Lord, character, 
being willing to learn. Yes, absolutely. But there'll be other things where we can say, hey, look, this person can grow in this area. They may have other characteristics that are good, but they can grow in this area, but it doesn't write them off. It doesn't mean that they're not suited for leadership. We're not saying that you need to have all seven in bucket loads for you to be a good leader. So we need to be have we need to be and have grace to some degree, and especially in times like now, these are very hard times for many people personally, and so sometimes people will drop the ball on certain things. They will forget to do the PowerPoint for one weekly meeting. They will organize an event very last minute. They will perhaps miss a praise practice because they just need to be at home and rest and be with their family. There will be things that come up. And we want to be gracious, so we don't want to be too quick to write them off. But we also want to be seeing a trajectory of these characteristics in the people that we are identifying. So that's the first point. We want to identify leaders with the right ingredients, the right characteristics. But secondly, once we've identified that, we want to be able to develop them from there. And the question goes, well, how do we do that? How do we develop leaders that we've identified have potential. Perhaps you're sitting there and you think, okay, I see a couple of first years who demonstrate some of these characteristics and they might not be ready to be a president tomorrow, but how can we develop them to be a student leader next year? Or if maybe you're seeing a student leader who's been really, really faithful and really, really strong and you think maybe they could be an exec next year, how do you develop them? How do you develop an exec or a student leader to take on the role of a president or a vice president? How do you develop these leaders that have strong showings, that have the right ingredients as it were? And I want to give us just four ways or three ways and then two for for later. I'll explain that when we get there. But the first way that we can do this for any level is I think encourage basic theological training. If they're in your ministry, maybe they're a first year, they've just joined so this year, and you think, hey, they could be a good student leader next year, or even a student leader in a couple of years, you want to encourage them to actively participate in programs such as Life 101. Now, why? Why why do we want that? We want that because we want all of our leaders to have a base level of theological understanding and knowledge about the faith. This will help them as they they, they lead and will give them the right foundations for them on a personal level before they start serving and leading in that way. So we want to encourage basic theological training. The second thing that we can do is we can host and run and organize training seminars. We can organize a particular seminar or training event for these people, these people that we identify as having potential. It doesn't have to be an overt thing. It doesn't mean you have to go to them and say, hey, you're going to be a leader, therefore I want you to be at this event. It can just be a simple training and seminar, sorry, training event or seminar that's open to your your community, but you actively encourage a couple of people saying, hey, I think you'd really benefit from this once you come along. And some examples of seminars could be how to lead a Bible study or what is discipleship. What are some strategies for evangelism? What does it mean to serve in ministry? You guys can come up with creative seminars and you can engage with the pastoral staff and other leaders to help run those seminars and use it as a training base, a training ground for people that you see as having potential. 
And the third way, I think this is probably the most important way that we sometimes forget, we want to get them involved. We want to give them opportunities to serve. If you're seeing a first year who's six months out of high school and you think, hey, I think we see some good characteristics in this person, you might say, okay, well, let's get them involved now. Let's give them a small thing to do. Maybe it might be, let's ask them to run the PowerPoint at a weekly meeting or to make the PowerPoint at a meeting. Maybe you might ask them to be involved in making the pamphlets that you hand out at the start of a weekly meeting. Maybe you might ask them to help out with, sorry, to help the exec team out with running games for an event that you guys are running. Or perhaps you might have a student leader or someone who's a bit older and you say, hey, they could really benefit. They could be really strong in being a leader as an exec or a PVP next year maybe. And you say, okay, let's give them a little bit of a bigger role. Let's ask them to be part of a department that we're creating, a marketing department or an events department. Or maybe you can ask them to be part of a particular event organizing team that runs your sticky events in the holidays. If we had a road trip this year, you could get people involved with a road trip committee to help organize the road trip and plan for it. And unfortunately, given COVID, we don't have the opportunity to do that. But something that could be helpful even in future years. Maybe you might even give them authority and you might give them ownership or responsibility of a particular event or a particular part of an event. You might say, hey, I want you to organize the games for this event. And they're in charge. They, they have ownership. And you see how they go. You see how they develop. You see, have they been faithful? Have they been responsible? We want to see how they go with the smaller roles and then go from there. We want to see how they demonstrate their competency and their faithfulness and their responsibility. So get them involved. But then if you find yourself in a position where the leaders have been set, let's say you get to a point and you see, okay, this person has now been asked to be an exec or a president or a student leader next year. And you're saying, okay, well, what can we do to develop them now? Once they've been confirmed to serve in a particular position, what can we do to help them? I want to give us two more ways that we can help develop them. Firstly, personal mentoring. Particularly if you know that they're going to be leading in the position that you're in now. If you're a president to the next president or you're a treasurer to the next treasurer, etc. It's helpful to regularly meet with them. Maybe even just once a month, one-on-one, just to chat with them and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what's happening. This is what's going on in the campus ministry. This is what's going on with our finances. This is what's going on in terms of leading at a meeting. These are things that I'm learning. And you can create that space where the new leader has an opportunity to ask questions and the older leader, as it were, has opportunity to share knowledge, to share insight and experience, and they can grow together. There's that personal mentoring. And so I want to encourage you, if and when leaders for next year are confirmed, I encourage you to start developing them even from that point for the last few months of the year. Personally meet up with them and mentor them. And the second and final way is to let them run alongside you or to run alongside your team. I don't know if you've seen the Olympics and particularly one of the main events that I, I like to watch is the athletics and the 4x100 or 4x200, whatever it might be, the relays, the athletic relays, I find really, really interesting. But one thing 
if you've watched it, you'll notice is that when there is a baton change, it doesn't go from the person running to the person who's running next without there being a period where both of them are running. There's a a window, maybe it's just 10, 20 meters where both of them are running so that the transition is quite smooth. The first runner doesn't give it to the second runner whilst the second runner is standing still. They run alongside each other for a short period of time so the baton change is smooth. And we want to do a similar thing with our leaders that are coming in for future years. This is one way that we can grow and develop these leaders that are now confirmed perhaps for next year. In the last few meetings, maybe an exec meeting or student leader meeting, get them involved, get them to come in and be a fly on the wall to see what it's like, to get a feel for the role and for what it's like to be part of that team. And if it's appropriate even, maybe let them lead a couple of points in your meeting. If they're currently an exec and they're taking over as a president, maybe give them an opportunity to say, hey, for this weekly meeting, I want you to run the organization part. I want you to lead the meeting. Give them an opportunity for them to lead and you can supervise and give them feedback and help them develop and grow from there. So four or five ways that we can help develop leaders. We can encourage them to get basic theological training. We can encourage and create training seminars. We can get them involved. Fourthly, particularly once they've started on that trajectory and they're now confirmed to be in a role, particularly for future terms next year or otherwise, personally mentor them. And lastly, let them run alongside. And so it's important that we think about these things. And in the, the show notes, I'm going to actually attach the leadership development guidelines. This was, a, this was a document that I wrote up last year in conjunction with the campus department. And it really extrapolates and expands on a lot of the stuff that we've talked about today. And I want to encourage you to really think deeply about this. Maybe it will be helpful to listen to this podcast with your team or to discuss it with your team and think about as a team where might our ministry be one, two, three years from now in terms of leaders? How can we do something today that will help 2021, 22, 23 to be years where we have an abundance of leaders? What can we do this year that places us in a strong position in future years when it comes to leaders to fill particular positions and roles? We want to ask ourselves these questions. Who are the people that are developing and growing as a part of the ministry and are, are being examples of leaders, people who have the right characteristics, who have the right ingredients, as it were, the right factors we see in them? And how can we grow and develop and mentor them? This is going to be an important aspect of the next six months as we look to not only finish this year well, but also set our campuses and the ministry up for future years. How can we identify and grow and develop leaders this year? And so I want to encourage you as we come to a close, I want to encourage you to really think deeply about this. We talk a lot in this podcast about being a generation of leaders, but I want us to really think about how we can be a generation of leaders that grow the next generation so that our generation, the generation to come and the one after that and beyond can be a generation of leaders that are equipped to serve our God faithfully and effectively in all that we do. Thanks for tuning in today. 
If you want to check out more episodes and information about So, check out our website on so.org.au.